Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm crazed that it's the last episode of June, and by this time next week, we'll be full into July. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> what is a July? And it's funny, because our whole of May was our first batch of interviewees, and we got that out to our listeners, and that was crazy exciting. And then there was a bit of a break till we're going to have the upcoming summer batch of interviewees for your consumption listeners, which we are super excited about. Um, but June was like a funny little area for us, because we just tackled <laughs> all these big issues. <laughs> That's oh what I was God. just going to say. I was like, today's episode is in the quadfecta of these crazy like if you're just tuning into us this month welcome to crafty ass female because we are tackling mental health and big giant goals and social media and today feminism (laughs) i just feel like people are going to tune into us this month like what (laughs) what what happened to these women Right. And like, I thought I was tuning into a fun little craft podcast and today feminism, but what could be more feminist than like crafts and doing what you love? And I don't know. Yeah, no, seriously though. What is more feminist than crafty ass females? And I don't think there's a person on this planet more with more authority than you to talk on this subject of just feminism and crafting tying the two together i mean take it away girlfriend oh my god you just made me so much more nervous no shut up shut up okay no really but like you are are you kristen feminist scrapbooker you put that everywhere and that means that and since starting this podcast i've known you as that i think everyone listening's known you as that but this is the time This is the time, the place, the moment. I'm not making it better, am I? But no, but like this is, I'm so interested in hearing just your take on this because I don't think you've ever truly explained where it derived from and kind of how you feel about the title and like, go for it. So, okay, let's, let's go for (laughs) it. Once upon a time. (laughs) So let's start with feminism is for everybody. Oh, for sure. Feminism is for everybody. And that is the title of a book by Bell Hooks. And Bell Hooks is an amazing feminist author. Bell Hooks' definition of feminism is one of the best definitions out there, uh, both in academic feminist theory circles and by regular everyday people, which is exactly who she wrote this book for. So I highly recommend it to everyone out there. Um, And so in Bell Hooks' definition, she says that feminism is a movement to end sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression. There's no man-hating, there's no implication that men are the enemy at all. It places the blame squarely on sexism and the problem that sexist structures create in society. So I'd like to take this one step further and look beyond sexism to racism, ageism, ableism, and other oppressive structures, all the oppressive structures as well, because um, all of these structures overlap, and this is known as intersectional oppression. 
there is no universal woman experience. And because all of these structures overlap in different ways, in different contexts, in no matter how where you are, in what walk of life you're living, in any different moment, um, there's no way to pull this out and say you are experiencing life just as a black person in this moment and not as a woman. And Kimberly Crenshaw was the person who came up with the word intersectionality. And that is what our feminisms have to be. And this is exactly everything that Are You Christian Feminist Scrapbooker and my community, The Awesome Ladies Project, is all about. Our stories are so important because we are women. And women's stories have been silenced for so long that it is a feminist act just to stand up and to take up space and to say, I'm important and my story matters and this is what my story is. But also to recognize that my story matters because everyone else's story matters too. And it's our job to tell those stories because no one else is going to. And it's so funny because it makes me think of Ali Wong's whole like ironic like anti-feminism rant i've been on an ali wong kick right she did the two comedy specials on netflix while pregnant so the first one was pregnant with her first daughter and the second one was like seven months pregnant with her second daughter which is a feminist act in of itself right to get up there and be a comic and be pregnant and then so she goes in the first one in her first special baby cobra she talked about this whole thing about how like i think the first the she was i think that feminism is the worst thing that ever happened to women of course being ironic about it but she was saying something how like i think it plays into what you what we always mention about you know the rise of feminism made it known that women can do anything right they don't have to adapt these roles they could also get jobs they could also be capable of like mathematic and scientific like things, right? Like things that were traditionally male, they could also do. But because we were told we could do everything, somewhere along the line, it got translated to, well, now you have to do everything because you have to do home and work. And so she was saying that she was playing off that idea where she's like, you know, all these women had to find, kind of come and show off and say, we can do anything. We can do it. We can do it. She goes, and now we're expected to work because she goes, um, they're all like, Allie, we have so many more options now. Like we can go work and we're free and we can, we have so many options. And she goes, oh, you don't think I had a lot of options when I had no job and my day was free, you know? And I think it's just kind of a tie-in comment to that where it's like, we can be free, but because of traditional gender roles kind of like at a head, we're also expected to take those on too. And because also biologically our bodies make the children, so it can't be anyone's else responsibility too, you know? Right. Yeah. Because women's bodies make babies, this has been used to justify so many ways to oppress and undercut women, whether it's in the workplace with policies, practices, raises, fires, um, and so much more, whether it's with healthcare and pregnancy being considered a pre-existing medical condition and the way that pregnant women are treated. Um, the list goes on. Women's bodies have been used by the patriarchy and the power structures that maintain it, and it takes a crazy, insane amount of political force to bring even a bit of it down. I think a great example of that was the way in which 
Harvey Weinstein was finally arrested mm-hmm. um, for decades. There were tales and whispers and rumors of what a horrible, horrible, terrible, vile, I don't even want to say the word man he was, and the way that he would abuse women, the way that he would violate women, the way that he would blackball them from their careers, from being in Hollywood, from being in movies. There is, you know, that, that was a man that sat atop the highest structures of not only Hollywood, but just the film industry as a whole. He had armed guards go and scare women who would talk to the press. He threatened and went through on actions of having women taken out of films, having women's careers ended, and, I mean, just straight up raped several women. Yeah. And sexually assaulted and sexually yeah. harassed hundreds more. Right. And for it to take dozens of women to go to multiple police across the country, um, let alone the hundreds who spoke up on the internet. And right. and, and the, the famous women who spoke out on the newspapers who right. wrote, you know, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Selma Hayek. Her right. her New York Times editorial was incredible. And this was only after everyone was like, yeah, we know about this. Right. There was but still you're saying like the reluctancy to go ahead and actually threaten the political structure that kept him up there is another thing. Well, there's so much holding that structure up. There are mm. so many people still holding that structure up. There are people who still don't believe that he hurt those women. There were people who said, oh, well, Harvey's going through a hard time now. There are still people who want to keep his film company going. Because the the insidious cultural uh, belief is so deep into what did he really do wrong? He's just being a man... Right, or, you know, those girls... Admiring a woman or something. Right, those girls probably, you know, wanted to be movie stars. Or, you know, like, oh, well, you know, it was a long time ago. Or, you know, one of the other biggest problems is we still have a lot of money to make. Mm. You know, th- his his company was owned also by his brother. They had mm. hundreds of employees. There were a bunch of other people that were part of this company. Mm. They still had jobs. What are they supposed to do? I see. And that happens a lot. I see. Of, you know, well... This person is, is, you know, acting in bad faith. You know, this person is a bad actor, but we still have a business to run and we still have money to make. So, so let's forgive him of his evils to do that? Yes. I see. And like, that's what happens at companies. That's what happens at corporations. And when you put women in the workplace. Yeah. And now the whole, the, in relating to that, because I feel too, like, again, there isn't, sexist Harvey Weinstein and then not sexist, right? I don't feel like, again, it's that, like you're saying, binary duality. I do believe there is a spectrum. So he's on, like, I think the extreme spectrum of what sexism can look like and be like in the world. But almost like where I've experienced it, and especially that I've been with, it's like the lesser extreme of the spectrum is still 
not good and still needs to like we still need to break down those constructs as well and I'm just thinking of like me waitressing and working in a restaurant and when I think about my story and just how like from the beginning of my professional life I guess when I was like 16 working at the YMCA and then basically working with kids all my life until I decided to go on this designy career path but all my bosses were female. It was a female industry, like teaching and childcare. So I never felt, I always felt like in my element with people. I never felt competitive. I never felt um, thought of as less, right? So, and then when I transitioned from teaching into the crafting and hobby industry, also a very woman heavy industry. So again, I was, I always felt that I was, my ideas were taken into consideration. I had a woman boss, like, so I never did feel really what so many people feel in a male dominated industry. So now a year and a half ago, jumping back into waitressing in this restaurant that's owned by two older Italian men, you know, from, I don't even know say from the, like the Rat Pack era, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, D. Martin. Um, in most, and if only a few years ago, did the restaurant start hiring female servers? So it was just a man-dominated serving restaurant, and it's not a corporate place, so it's privately owned, so there, there is no HR, there is no kind of like, you know, they do what they want, basically, is like the point, and so just being exposed to that for as long as I've been, it's been my real first, not first, right, I guess I've experienced it before, but like all around me on the daily, just like, gentleman's club, I guess is the only way I can describe it where, you know, men get better tables and men get regarded different. And if they don't like something about the restaurant and they whine, you know, the, the only verb I can use for it is whine, like meh, 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 meh. It's, it's taken into consideration and it's, oh, he has a concern about this. Let's address it. But if one of the female servers does literally the same thing. She needs to pipe down and stop being emotional. You know what I mean? It's the same, it's that same kind of like double standard culture. And I almost feel like people that feel sexist vibes or feel vibes of like feeling like you're looked down because you're a woman or even a different race, like it's hard to put into words. Sometimes you just feel it. You know what I mean? And I just, I get that at the restaurant all the time. Like even like they have a looping soundtrack that every hour plays the same thing. And it's usually that's Amore and like a bunch of older like Italian um, songs. And like even one of the songs that comes on all the time is uh, Frank Sinatra's um, You're Nobody Till Somebody Loves You. And I hear that song all the time and I'm like, what a horrible message. <laughs> like that you're nobody unless you have somebody. And it's again that like, coupled culture like you have to be with it like I think it all ties in to the same kind of like message that feminism gives out which is everybody's different and we're all human so one experience is not going to be the same as another experience why is the norm have to be that you have to be with somebody and be coupled and you can't be single which is what sex in the city addressed which was that feminist notion is you know how do you deal with a society that only that doesn't know what to do with a single woman you know, so anyway, so I just been picking that up working in a restaurant where it's not a predominantly female industry that supports other females, that it's a male dominated restaurant. And I feel it. 
Like, I just feel it. I don't know. The same, there's a song that loops too in a Dean Martin. Because again, it's like all that old school Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, like where the constructs were stronger, I guess, back in the day. And they're so celebrated in this environment that I work in. Like another Dean Martin's a Standing on the Corner. I never heard this song until this working this job. And the song basically talks about a guy that's telling his other guy friends that you should go stand on the corner and watch all the girls go by because you can't get arrested for what you're thinking. And basically the whole song is like, just think any amount of dirty things you want about these women on the corner because you can't get arrested for it. Standing on the corner. It's like, it's crazy. It blows my mind. But like, it's the, it's the type of culture that these people in this restaurant like hold up and support, which is completely anti, like, you know, I don't know. It's yeah, no, I think that you're there. making a great point. But, and I think that, that, like, back then, in the Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra era, well, it's funny, you know, it, it's really funny because the things that they sang about, and back then, especially if you were a white man, you could probably also do whatever you wanted to, especially if you were right. Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra. <laughs> right. To Which any of I believe the- is notorious for, like, cheating on their wives and, like, abuse, right? Right. Yeah. Right, like, exactly. You could do any of the things that you wanted to those women and you wouldn't be arrested. Right. So. And my mom's also made comments of, like, a lot of songs from the 50s from women were about, like, you cheated on me and that's okay and I will, I'll hope he comes back. Like, you know, we, we laugh because when we hear those songs, it all kind of plays into the culture of, like, women asking for forgiveness for the thing that the man did and the man just, like. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I think back about those songs because I have two. So I have two things to say about that. First, let's talk about the songs. Um, One, I wonder how much of those songs, one, were written by men because women were not allowed to write their own songs. And two, were just produced by men because they're not going to let women produce songs that are mean to men because they have such fragile little egos that they couldn't possibly <laughs> right also there was pay to play on the radio so like right. the djs weren't going to play songs that were not nice to me like and like so this is these are the structures right. so like if you are a female like if you were a female artist in the 1950s and you wanted to sing a song that wasn't about like Oh, I'm going to forgive back. you for right. getting another yeah. woman pregnant because you right. are a terrible, horrible human. Right. No one's going to play it on the radio because these are men supporting other men, supporting other men. Right. Because that's what's good for them personally. Right. Right. When you have to oppress people in order to be powerful, I don't think that's making people happy. Right. And I think the dangerous part of it is even if the men now are saying, oh, that that was not nice and that shouldn't have happened and let's change it. They still are making decisions based on what they've always known to be true. Like, for example, in the restaurant, like so the other day, this actually happened where the owner, um, I had two rows of I had like a few tables, whatever. And I got sat a big party at the same time as he sat me a smaller party. But that's okay. They're both next to each other. They see that I, I went over to the table. I said, I'll be right with you. They see that I'm working both. You know what I mean? They're like there's some forgiveness there. Plus it was Father's Day. So they know they're going to wait. They know it's going to be busy. Everyone's okay. I can handle it. 
let's all calm down. Instead, he gave the smaller party away, my smaller party that was in my section, away to a male waiter who had a bigger row already than I had. So he was going to have more work with this extra party. And it was across the restaurant. But the owner, so again, I can't pinpoint this on the fact that I'm a female and this was a male. But all I know is, yes, you can. He he didn't trust that I could handle it. He didn't want the party to wait two minutes for me to get there and do the initial greet. But then once that was over, I would have been, it would have been handled. I would have taken care of it. It would have been fine. Instead, in his owner mind, he thought it was better to get this guy who has a bigger section than me to greet the party first. But let me tell you what, he was 15 minutes late after the appetizer. He was 15 minutes late on the dinner he was 15 like they were waiting longer throughout the course of the thing because this guy had more to do but he didn't he was more comfortable having the guy make them wait than having me make them initially wait two minutes like this is what I feel go on I feel these decisions being made because I'm a female and he's not like there's no other explanation for that why wouldn't he think that I'd be able to handle a table in my section because what was funny is I was taking their drink order still I was busing their t- I was still taking care of it like I what it, it just it kind of blew my mind because this happens all the time the same thing when a guy drops a glass and I see the managers physically go come on let's handle it let's get our shit together let's fix this problem and move on to when I drop a glass and I get cursed at and yelled at and they can't believe it and it's unreal like it's just stuff vibes like that you pick up that only if you understand the scope of it can you pick it up anyone else would just say oh that's how they are like but i get that yeah that's how they are (laughs) sexist right Right. so i I think that's another thing that we kind of need to keep like talking about is that they're not just vibes right you're right right because i think that that like as we um because especially for those of us who have anxiety and for those of us who deal with um, emotions, right? when we feel those things, we need to feel them. Right. Like that person is being sexist. Mm-hmm. And like, this is something that I went through a lot as a teenager um, going into college, like as someone who would very much enjoy raising her hand and talking in school. Mm-hmm. And then being put in situations where I was not valued for my opinion as much as boys, that would infuriate me. One of the things that I want everyone to take away from this podcast is that feminism is about coming together as women, even when we don't understand other women. Well, that's what I was going to say, because I feel like it made me think of what you were saying about like one of my favorite phrases of the year so far was came from Oprah's like monumental like speech she did about the Me Too in January. I think it was like the first week of January. I don't remember. It was the Glamour, I think, award, whatever. And she got up there and she did the whole speech and she said something about the Me Too movement can only happen with magnificent women and phenomenal men who like support. But like, I don't think we give enough credit to the phenomenal man, like that phrase of like, like Anthony Bourdain, like you're saying, who were feminists, like the men who are on board, I don't think, and who do respect women who don't have, you know, who try to acknowledge where they could have sexist views or or put social roles. Like I, I, we don't give credit to them. I feel like 
they're out there too. So as much, and then like you're saying, there are also, and which is why from what I know, are you Christian feminist scrapbooker came into the world is there also are ignorant women. <laughs> well, so right. So yeah. this is one of the other things then. And, and in our discord, um, one of the things that the ladies really wanted me to address and is that there are a lot of women that get a lot of benefit from holding up the patriarchal structure. Mm-hmm. Even when they don't know they're doing it. Right. And I think moms, like our moms and our mother role models and our maternal role models sometimes can be the, the, the biggest culprits of that. Right. And like the, um, the things, and even if they don't know they're doing it. Right. But like the things they tell us, like find a good husband or, you know, here, here are the things that you should do to find a good husband. Right. As if that's the, the, the goal. Right. Or, you know, here are the things to do when you become a mom. Right. As if that's inevitable. Right. And then you felt backlash for not being a mom to have scrap. Like, you know what I mean? Right. You know, whether it's even also, you know, sometimes it's moms and it's dieting. Mm-hmm. You know, you should, you know, make sure you look this way or stay mm-hmm. this thin or not eat that or, you know, make sure that you don't move far away and stay close to your family or go to this college or don't go to college at all. Or it's a really right. hard thing when it's, you know, don't be too bossy, I think mm-hmm. is a big one. Yeah. When, um, and I know that's one that uh, you don't speak up too much. Right. I hear a lot of don'ts. Right. When, when I ask, you know, what do you want to hear me talk about what do you want to hear me say I hear a lot of you know well I'm just coming to realize that I was told a lot of this growing up I was told a lot of you know don't do this it's not ladylike or don't do this Mm -hmm. no one will like you or you Mm -hmm. know be this kind of person because that's what is you know feminine or that's what women in our family do right and you know, or that's what was expected of me. Mm-hmm. And those are hard. Breaking down those structures, I think, right. are are sometimes even harder. Yeah. And I want it like, so Bell Hooks again, in her Feminism is for Everybody book, talks about how, you know, her mom was one of the biggest upholders of patriarchy in her life Mm -hmm. and how she had to break that structure down before Mm -hmm. she could even think about going off and being like the greatest feminist writer there ever was right and i think it's it's so hard it's so hard to like first we have to think about breaking down the structures in our own head Mm -hmm. about like yes i am worthy which like oh my god is a mountain in and of itself right And so, like, let feminism first teach you that, yes, I am worthy. Like, I am just as worthy as every other human being on this planet. Right. Then let feminism teach you that you can do and be what you want. And so can everyone else. And, like, so can everyone else. Let yourself have the choices. Let yourself Mm -hmm. have, be the person that you want to be. And then help others be that same thing that you want. Right. And I think that 
the the word choice is the key part of feminism and the feminist movement is that we want feminists want to call all humans to choose how they want to live out their human experience and like it makes me think of Ina Garten who's if I think I've said her name right who's the barefoot contessa if you didn't know who has her own show with her cute little husband what's his name Jeffrey Jeffrey cute little husband Jeffrey and outwardly she's falling into that patriarchal role right and she gets I think she got a lot of criticism about that about you know all you do is cook for your husband and like how anti-feminist is that but I read somewhere that said Ina Garden is the most feminist person out there because she's choosing that that's exactly what she's living the life that she is choosing to live wholeheartedly her and it just so happens to be cooking for her husband which everyone thinks blah, blah, blah. like, but this is like her divine like purpose on this world and she's choosing and loving it so that was I was so interested with that that she's it's the choice. So it's the same thing as like when I think about feminists call upon men to not be afraid to be vulnerable because same. It's like you have to, I don't know how I'm relating that to choice right now, but I just think like because all humans are called to be vulnerable. So you shouldn't have to fit into this social context. You should be able to choose to cry or <laughs> choose to express emotion. Like it, it's all about choice and that everyone, yeah. On last week's show, we talked about the, the suicide epidemic right. in this country, right. especially facing adult males. And this is mm-hmm. directly tied to men feeling that they have to fit into a specific mm-hmm. role. Yeah. The patriarchy is bad for everyone. The patriarchy right. is bad for everyone, and feminism is good for everyone. And that's, that's it. Period. Right. Like that's because we're calling for men to be more human. We're calling for everyone to be more human. We're calling for the end of sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression. We want to get rid of the structures that are oppressing people. Yeah, oppression is bad. Yeah, the there's a Netflix um, documentary called "The Mask You Live In," and it's about that. It's about just men growing up to realize that they have to put this mask of like whatever it is masculinity or ego or fronting or or strength or whatever and the whole it just dissects that it was really interesting and one of the behavior specialists was studying like a pre-k or a kindergarten class and she's she noted that in kids as young as four and five that the boys already knew who was the alpha boy and in order to be a boy and fit in with the boys you had to make sure that the alpha boy was happy so like she would interview like these little kids and they'd say oh I'm friends with Lauren but I can't let this boy know that I'm like it's it's already happening as early as four years old so it was just interesting it's crazy it was just so that's a good one to check out too but I feel like the people tuning into these things are the people that want to be educated and the people that aren't that don't want to be educated and and don't so you know what I mean yeah, and I think, I mean, we could talk about this forever, and I feel like we I know, haven't even, forever, I mean, we barely, like, scratched <laughs> the surface. I know. But, like, but, I, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just, like, interested in tying it back to, like, crafting and how you adapted it to be a feminist scrapbooker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I started my blog in college. Originally, I was writing about specific feminist issues. 
um, whether it was intersectionality, whether it was this article that I read and I loved, whether it was this piece of writing that I read and I loved. And I was also doing scrapbooking on the side. It was just me. I mean, I had a boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, we would go places and do things. I would scrapbook about that. But it was my life. It was, this is who I am. This is what mm-hmm. I'm scrapbooking about. You know, I went to the zoo. Here are my zoo pictures. Right. I went on a trip to Chicago. Here are my Chicago pictures. Like, this is what my life is about. And then I got pushback about that. That's like, don't. You, you, because you were at one of these public scrapbooking places. Well, there was a little bit of that. I was at a public scrapbooking place, um, but I was also posting on, there was two P's at the mm. time. Um, there were a few other scrapbooking sites at the time, and there were some women who felt that the only people who should be scrapbooking were mothers scrapbooking their children's stories, and that anyone else who was scrapbooking was a selfish person <laughs> and that their story was not deserving of the time and space it took to scrapbook. Wow. And there's those ignorant women. So again, it's <laughs> anti-feminists are not just men. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Yeah. Wow. Every time you tell that story, I get angry. <laughs> I can't imagine you. Um, and so I started... This was about the time that I um, got a job at the census. Mm-hmm. And I, so I didn't have as much time for blogging because I was working like 80 hours a week. But then I was also working in an office and my boss was a 75-year-old man and he was very kind and he had a 30-year-old daughter and he tried really hard, but he still had a lot of ways in which he thought things should be done. Right. And those ways included a lot of things that made me feel like I was doing my worst work. Mm. And they made me feel small. And so my only creative outlet was going home on the weekends and scrapbooking. Mm. And that's how I felt stronger. That's how I felt more empowered. And that's how I felt like I was engaging with something important. Um, While I was at the census, I left my boyfriend. We had been dating for seven years at the time and living together for uh about three and um I was really alone no one really supported my decision uh my mom was like devastated that's hard yeah um my mom was super devastated she asked me literally how do you know you're not making the worst mistake of your life oh god That'll do it. I know. It, it yeah. was, yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. Wow. Um, my answer was, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, huh? Um, I lost a lot of my friends. Uh, and so that was just a really hard time. And so I kind of just really threw myself into scrapbooking and threw myself mm. into telling my story and threw myself mm. into my art. And, and that's... Uh, As a way to declare the okayness of your choice almost right yeah as a as or a way to, to say right. my story is important i'm right. figuring out who i am because i had been dating this boy since i was 16 wow um wow. yeah and so i you know i got this job at the census it was a full-time job uh, i had been working 40 50 then 60 hours a week and i needed to figure out who i was in it as as an adult mm. i needed to figure out who i was as as a human as a person as someone who had you know, autonomy as someone who could get in a car, 
drive somewhere they wanted to, get on a plane and go across the country if she wanted to, who had a job with a bank account and could make decisions. Mm -hmm. And as as someone who has uh, really tight relationships with people, I'm very close to my parents, I'm very close Mm -hmm. to my sister, I'm very close to, you know, to to my friends, to you, Mm -hmm. to our to our group to to be alone like that Mm -hmm. um i felt super isolated Mm -hmm. and it was um one of the only times in my life where i felt very 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 alone but not depressed Mm. which was um a very strange thing for me because when you feel depressed you're alone yeah um but this was very different this was more of a um it wasn't a debilitating isolation. It was like a, a motivating isolation almost. Yeah, it was a Yeah. It was a, a It was scary. Yeah. But good scary. Right. Like here was this thing that I had been a part of for all of my adult life, my whole college right. life. And I knew I knew it was part of my knowing mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be a part of my life anymore. Mm. And then I found myself, I found my story in my scrapbooks, in my photos mm. of myself, in my photos of my life, in my photos of what I was doing and putting it onto these pieces of paper mm-hmm. that I loved, that I loved collecting, that I loved, you know, going to the store and saying, yes, this piece matches with the story in my head. I know it does. I feel the same emotions when I look at Mm -hmm. this sheet of paper as I did when I was standing, you know, whether it was at the zoo or whether it was in my house, I I feel the same things and I know what I want to say. And I know that I want to put it in this book that empowered me, Mm -hmm. that empowered me to tell my story the way I wanted to in a time where I felt like nobody wanted to listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's, um, there's so many times where we feel like there's nobody who wants to listen to us. Yeah. And especially when we're so used to just talking with words or texting or, Mm -hmm. you know, like last, um, you know, two weeks ago when we talked about social media, we're so used to like just having the ability to to just say something and knowing someone will hear Mm -hmm. it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like when we create scrapbooks, when we create these these pieces of, of our memories, we're saying so much more. Mm-hmm. Even if we use um, social media, like I've been super into using my Instagram story pictures mm-hmm. as my scrapbook photos because I right. can just journal right on the Instagram stories. Right. And then I don't yeah. have to necessarily remember right. all of that journaling for later on. Right. It's, That's a good point. It's yeah. so much of more of a tool. Yeah. And then I also feel so much better about being on Instagram because I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm using this <laughs> right. as a memory keeping tool. Right. And then when I started telling my story and being like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I am this, you know, single girl living in the middle of New Jersey. I'm, I'm this intersectional feminist woman. I believe in being friends with everyone I think everyone should scrapbook. You belong. Your right. story is important. Right. That's what I was going to say. The feminist act of that notion is the declaring the equal importance of yes. everyone. Which, yes, I think because that, 
Yeah. So the, so the one thing that I think that I really want, like that my goal is as, as me, as me, white girl, Kristen feminist scrapbooker is to create an equitable system where everyone can tell their story because mm. this is, this is the problem we kind of get into as uh, women of privilege. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, even though we're broke to girls, that have no money (laughs) yeah we're still privileged we still have roofs over our head we still like you know if something happened tomorrow we could still reach out and say like help um and not everybody is nearly as lucky nor have they been you know for the 30 years that we've been on this earth right and our goal is to take the next step and see what we can do to make it a more equitable situation for everyone else and I think this was a great topic for the episode to come in the quadfecta. Is there a word for that? I keep wanting to say trifecta, but there's been four <laughs> this this month. Anyway, the yeah. quadfecta of heavy, you know, topics that we've tackled in June. It's funny that this is the last one because I feel like it ties into the other things in calling to the importance of everyone's human experience. Because last week we did... Um, mental health and how, you know, different variations of that and and how social constructs can kind of make people feel unimportant or, or affect their mood and that kind of stuff. And then the social media episode, which I think is almost the way that social constructs indirectly appear in our lives, right? Where like all these followers happen if this is the way you live your life in this construct, right? So, I think that this is the episode that kind of touches on those two, which is like, we're calling, you know, feminism is so important because it calls for equal importance of everyone's human experience and story and yeah, and that everyone is human. So everyone deserves the same kind of regard. Well, yeah. And I think that that's one of those things that happens is like you get these people who are like, also like, well, I don't need feminism. Right. Well, it's not about whether or not you need feminism. The world needs feminism. Right. right. It's not about, you know, you as an individual person. If you think it's about you right. as an individual person needing or not needing feminism, right. then you don't get it yet. Right. You because know, it's a trickle down effect. Yeah, maybe you will at some point right. when you, but, right. you know, for now you will just remain ignorant. Right. And it's a poisonous way of thinking. Yes. And yeah. If, and that's like... It's it's hard when you're trying to explain things to people who don't really see things outside of their own personal lens. Right, that's true. And with feminism, I think that that's one of those things that has to be first full stop. This is a yeah. movement to end oppression of all women. Yeah, and... I- on that note, do you, because I wanted to bring this up in terms of feminism, do you feel that the fact that the United States of America has zero legal policy for maternity leave is one of those instances where the men in charge can't see life outside of their experience and because they've never experienced what it's like to give birth to another human out of your body and then have to recuperate from that, that there's, you know what I mean? I feel like that's an example. Yeah, and I think that that's another one of those things where we come back to this is why we need to elect more women. And it doesn't even, at, at, and at this point, and so 
my other degree is in political science. And I studied women in American politics. And my entire time that I was in school, I, and still, I still Mm -hmm. firmly believe that we need more women in both the Democratic and Republican parties. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the people who are in charge of the Republican parties do not agree with me. Mm. And so they do not put women up for election in the Republican parties, Mm. which is a huge problem. Because if there were women inside of the Republican party, I think we would see a lot more things like maternity leave Mm -hmm. put on. I think we would see a lot more things like paid family leave. We would Mm -hmm. see a lot more things that when women come together, they make things happen. Uh, So there's uh, all of the women in the Senate, both the Republicans and the Democrats, have lunch together every month. And they have since there have been women in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And they talk. Mm -hmm. And they try to get things done. Because when women sit down together, they get things done. They find common ground. You know, original feminism. There's a first wave feminism that happened in America. First mm-hmm. wave feminism happened around the turn of the 20th century, which was suffragettes, suffragettes who were mm-hmm. racist in their own right and have their own issues with racism. Right. And then we had um, contemporary feminism, which is what we most commonly associate with uh, the free love era and bra burning and the late 1960s, 1970s, etc. Mm-hmm. And so... What happened in, in that era, this, this contemporary feminist era, was consciousness raising groups mm-hmm. where women would just come together and talk about the woes of being a woman in today's mm-hmm. society. And, you know, these feelings, the feelings that you were having earlier, mm-hmm. that you were talking about having earlier, you know women would talk about these things and other women Mm -hmm. would say, yeah, that's happening. That's a real thing. Right. And I think that we need to get back to more of that. And that's, um, so like, that's one of the reasons I created the awesome ladies project Mm -hmm. because we need more small groups of people on like the internet and in communities to say like, this shit isn't cool. Right. Like there is something definitely wrong here. This structure is fucked and we need to unfuck it. And right. um, so mansplaining is a thing. Right, <laughs> like, mansplaining is a thing. Yeah, manspreading right. is a thing. Yeah. Have you ever been on the subway? Did you even know it's yeah. possible to take up four seats with your legs? <laughs> like, right. I, the disrespect for right. um, like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Yeah, you know, we've all seen yeah. the pictures. We've all been right. there. <laughs> one of my right, favorite. But- one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite phrases to come out of uh, the contemporary feminist era, the uh, what some will call the second wave feminist era, is uh, from Audre Lorde, called The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House, Hmm. meaning that if you try to take down the patriarchy using the patriarchy... It's right. not going to happen because right. that's what's holding up the patriarchy. Right. Um, 
And I think one of the things I want to read this passage, because it talked about something you mentioned before about uh, mm-hmm. being in childcare and being amongst all mm-hmm. women and being in the happy planner and being amongst all women. Um, mm-hmm. So she says, for women, the need to the need and desire to nurture each other is not pathological, but redemptive. And it is within that knowledge that our real power I rediscovered. It is this real connection, which is so feared by a patriarchal world. Mm-hmm. Only within a patriarchal structure is maternity the only social power open to, win- open to women. Mm-hmm. Interdependency between women is the way to a freedom which allows the I to be, not in order to be used, but in order to be creative. This is a difference between the passive be and the active being. And so that second sentence is, I think, exactly what we're doing here on the podcast, that interdependency between women is the way to a freedom which allows the I to be, not in order to be used, but in order to be creative. Mm-hmm. And so for such a long time, women were vessels to have children. And there really was no purpose for women to be interdependent with other women. Like if mm-hmm. you were an adult woman, if you were an adult woman, you didn't really need to have other adult woman friends. Right. Because you were too busy having mm-hmm. babies or doing all the other work that needed to be done. Right. But now... Now that we spend time with other women, that's where we, that's where our creative brains, they thrive. Mm -hmm. Because they're being considered and regarded. Yeah. Yeah. You get so, like, and like, this is not to regard, of course, you know, we have those great men, we have those people in our lives, those individual men who are not supporters of the patriarchal structure who, you know, help us be the greatest creatives we can be. But they're not fighting the good fight Mm -hmm. the same way we are. Mm. And so when we come together as women, when we talk about like, well, shit, I got catcalled on the street and this is how I feel about it. I came home and I made this page. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I took these amazing pictures of the fireworks on 4th of July and I feel so wonderful about the hours and hours that I spent there but on the train ride home these dudes were being lewd and it made my whole night feel sour Mm -hmm. but when we get to come together we get to be active again we get to, Mm -hmm. to use our brains we get to use our minds to be the best us that we can be in any given moment Right. And I just, but I, I, you know, when I think about teaching and when I think about craft industry job and how it was mainly a woman dominated industry, like our audience was women. So I feel like that's also something too, is I knew how to be and who to appeal to because I was being and appealing who I am. (laughs) But I, I would hate to think that it wouldn't be regarded or considered, or I couldn't appeal to an audience of a man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
I, I, I don't know. That's where it gets a little confusing to me because I, I, I would hope that we would still be able to in male dominated industries. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just, yeah. Like where you see like female, uh, sportscasters or, you know, I just, I wonder about that because I'm regarded and considered because I'm appealing to the audience who also is me. Yeah. And all I think, I think female sportscasters are really good. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great example because some of the best female sportscasters have had to go through right. hell and back to right. be sportscasters. Like Erin Andrews, she's an amazing sportscaster, but someone took nude photos of her through her hotel room window. Oh my God. And it was a lawsuit for years, like literally years. Mm-hmm. Right. And... I mean, the trauma that she had to go through to, right. and then some of people were like, oh, she deserved it. She shouldn't have had right. her, you know, what, who deserves to have, to, I mean, like, that's unreasonable. Yeah. And so it would be awesome yeah. if we didn't have to do all of the hard work of dismantling the structures. Right. And it would be so easy if we could just like, turn off all of the like knowing that this mm. shit is happening all the time around us right it, like it would be awesome if you could just like go into work and not know that all these like right. men around you are being the people that they are right and just concentrate on doing the best waitress job that you can right but right i know it's 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 the closest that i can understand like racism, I guess, like in, in This Is Us, which I love. Sterling Brown talks to his, because he was raised by the white family, right? Uh, Randall's character. Yeah. And when he finally meets his biological father, who's a black man, there was this episode and these few moments where he talked about how, you know, you're looking at me funny because I was raised by white people. Like, you don't think I know what it's like to be a black man in the world. He's like, I know. He's like, I know what it's like to have to tone down my anger when I pick up things every day. He's like, I, I, and that's what I feel as a woman sometimes. Like I have to tone down how upset it makes me that that's what I experience. Right. And I think that like all forms of uh, oppression and the way that we experience oppression, whether it's sexist oppression, whether it's racist oppression, whether it's ageist, yeah. Disability uh, oppression. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and I love how Kimberly Crenshaw talks about intersectionality and the way that all of those different oppressions mm-hmm. like go on top of right. each other and intertwine and every single different experience is so complex. Mm-hmm. But it's all calling for the same thing. Like we just want to be equally regarded. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just feel like the thing that makes me the angriest and maybe it's because I'm a 33 year old 33 year old woman and and I know in after chatter we're going to talk about not having kids in your 30s 40s maybe ever right so but I just think the maternity the fact that we don't get any paid maternity leave is to me the most blatant sign of like sexism going on because if if men who are in charge regarded us as also fellow humans going through this experience they would be able to understand that that's something that our bodies we we don't have a choice we don't have a choice like to not need to heal our bodies so if that's 
what needs to happen for your for the other kind half of the humans on this planet who work like you know what I mean well, I just I think it's it one just of those things me. that like if you give well I think and it, I think racism plays a, a huge role in this because I think that if you say we need to give maternity leave to white women well then we need to give maternity leave to black women and latino women also that's why I think our feminism and all of our feminisms have to come back to being intersectional, have to come back to supporting all women, have to come back to supporting women whose stories that you don't understand, women whose stories make choices that you don't believe in, women whose stories make no sense to you. Because if you want to spend your entire life day your entire life trying to understand the stories of every single person or trying to understand mm -hmm. the the choices that every single woman in the whole world makes in order to judge whether or not they deserve right. rights right you're you're wasting your time right yeah. you have better because things to do, do. yeah <laughs> yeah you you are meant for more in this world than to spend your time judging other women right so be totally be the best you that you can be and the right. best you that you can be is to support all women who are also doing the best that they can do yes <laughs> right and i think that gets muddled too because i think like people don't like supporting women just for the sake of supporting women if they're not doing the best they could do if they're being shitty people right but again we're not saying support shitty people just because they're a woman like we're right. saying support all women who are doing the best they can if if you are supporting women who are trying to end sexism, sexist exploitation and oppression and doing the best that they can, right. then you're doing a good job. Definitely head over to After Chatter because it's going to be fun. I don't know what I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. Yeah. We're going like, to spin a wheel. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear like feedback on this episode, right? Because in the coming weeks we're going to be interview we're going to kind of pull back from all this heaviness right that june kind of was made up with and we're going to talk to some more crafty ass females and get their take on a lot of these issues that we've been bringing up but yeah i would love to hear like what you would still what you still have to say on these things yeah definitely we could work it in or or well do i a think follow-up episode or yeah, yeah let's definitely have i think it would be definitely really really fun to have a, a q a episode in like season mm. three mm -hmm. so let's plan on doing that so we'll have a Q&A episode in season three and uh, we'll be looking for questions on that awesome well, we love you guys and you guys are amazing so we will talk to you very soon and um, you should come and hang out on discord with us because we talk all the time and we chat all the time and it's amazing so come and chat with us about feminism you ha only have to subscribe at the dollar uh, level on patreon to get patreon discord and then you can chat with us on the phone all the time uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash crafty ass female where we are heading over right now for after chatter it is amazing you have so much bonus stuff there is a ton of stuff on there right now and it is the best community um, of any podcast in the world so come and hang Ooh. out with us <laughs> and uh, and we will be back next week with Brandy Kincaid oh my gosh I know I'm so excited <laughs> Yeah. Her face is just so wonderful. She <laughs> smiles and it just like makes my heart just gross. Everything that she everything that girl does is wonderful. I know. I love her. 
Yeah, we're really excited. And it's a, it'll be a good reprieve. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, everyone's just so like bubbly and wonderful. And yeah. It's just going to be so awesome. Yes. And it's going to be summer. It's officially summer. Summer. <laughs> All right. I, I kind of want to listen back to our season one episodes of how we were wishing for this place. I know. It's going to be amazing. And then we're going to have another winter hell and it'll be fantastic. Bite your tongue. All right, guys. <laughs> we will, uh, we'll catch you next week. Have an amazing week and enjoy the first week of summer or the first week of winter if you guys are, are down under. Oh, boy. Have, have a good one. Bye. Enjoy it. Bye. <laughs>